Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, What Will People Think of Me? The late and great Bob Proctor used to say, What people think of me is none of my business. It took me more than a few moments to understand where he was coming from, because like most people, I was heavily invested into being concerned with what was with what others thought about me. His statement, though, was such a different way of thinking about this issue that for some moments I was quite stunned and confused. You see, his statement addresses the matter from what was to me an unusual angle. Instead of being wired about and focused on what others thought of me, his firm position was that it's not your concern what they think or might think. So what was he really saying? Well, I think it was at least two things. One, he was stating that it was unwise to be so concerned with external things and to waste time being wired about what other people think or say about you. How useful is it to spend time worrying about what other people think when they are not living your life or facing your reality? Being a unique individual, only you know what it's like to be you and what's in your best interests. We are not all the same, in that we don't all have the same dreams and desires. So why allow others, who aren't in your shoes, to dictate or have a strong influence on what you do? Two, he was informing you that most important thing is what's going on internally. In other words, what you think of you is what's most important, and the determining factor with regard to your well-being and what you do, or achieve in your life. What you tell yourself, or the nature of your internal chatter, is imperative, in either supporting or undermining you. But that's not the way most people have been taught to live their life. Most of us live our lives conforming and consistent with those in our social circle. We tend to want to fit in with those around us, and are anxious to ensure we don't do things that make us stand out. The majority of us want to be liked and to feel a sense of belonging to those we spend most of our time with. We are thus circumspect when it comes to doing anything that might be frowned upon or ridiculed. This desire to conform and be like everyone else has a huge cost attached to it. When you try to fit in with what everyone else is doing, you're choosing to settle or for a life of mediocrity, and you are leaving your possible life of great success and fulfilment on the table. No one who attains great success in life does so by following friends and and people in your social circle who are all doing pretty much the same thing and following the same sort of code that existed in school. That's what most people used to do when in school, because in school at that age were mostly insecure and self-conscious, scared of being different in any way. In school, everyone wants to be part of the in-crowd, No one wants to be singled out or to stand alone. Unfortunately, that same fear has been carried over into adult life. And this probably explains why, instead of being keen to blaze our own trail, most people, it seems, would rather shrink into the shade of conformity than run the risk of the possibility of growth or growing in the sunlight of of their success. The really sad thing is that the vast majority of people choose to do Not what they really want to do, but what they consider is dull, but realistic. Opting to go for that which does not excite them, because they and those they follow 
consider that's a more realistic option. Yet, as Tim Ferriss points out in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, it's easier doing the unrealistic than the realistic. How on earth does that make sense, you're probably wondering. That's exactly what I was thinking when I first read that information. But stay with me here. The reason it's easier to achieve the unrealistic is because almost everyone believes that they are not capable of attaining great goals or dreams. As a result, they sacrifice their dreams, let them die, and settle instead for that which is mediocre and uninspiring. Why? It is easier to aim for the so-called unrealistic goals, the goals that excite you, is because the competition is much fiercer for the realistic goals because everyone else is going for them. Conversely, when you think big and aim for an extraordinary goal, the competition is much smaller. Indeed, you may be the only person who has your ideas and the fortitude to act on them. So rather than making a mistake, you're doing yourself a great favour by choosing to go for a goal that excites you and is in addition realistic. A truth that most people never realise is that they underrate and undervalue themselves, really if ever recognising their true potential or what they are capable of achieving. We often think others can achieve that which we cannot and negatively compare ourselves to people that are better than us in a particular area of life that we wish we could be better at. We attribute that person with abilities and qualities that we do not believe we possess failing to recognise that pretty much what one person can do, you or any other person can achieve, provided you're willing to develop the same work ethic or endure the discomfort necessary for the required time period to attain your desired goals. However, it really, if ever, makes sense to compare yourself to others, because we are all unique. The only person you can benefit from comparing yourself to is the person you were yesterday or at some stage in the past. Another reason why it is easier to achieve that which appears unachievable is because going for goals that are huge is both exciting and inspiring. When you set out to attain something of great value to you, which will demand considerable effort and, con- and intensity from you, you feel energised to muster you the vigour and adrenaline sufficient to see you through any difficult problems which lay ahead. Setting your sights on mediocre goals frequently leaves you without the energy and drive you need to maintain your effort when the going gets tough. So what is the benefit to you in setting your sights so low that your plans fail to excite you? I guess it all comes down to what you want from your life. The problem is that a lot of people are so concerned with what others think of them that they never take the time to explore who they are and what they what exactly they want from life. They perhaps never make the time to ask themselves this question. If the people I'm worried about are really my friends, should they be happy with me, wanting to do something that that benefits me? Or are are they the type of so-called friends and family members who only seem to be happy when you're on their level and no higher? Just as it is crucial to be circumspect with regard to who you choose as an intimate partner or business partner, it is in your interest to select carefully the people you maintain close regular contact with. If the people you spend most of your time with hold predominantly negative thoughts, then you can expect that their negativity will have, an, will have had an impact on you. 
It is said that you are the average of the five people you associate with most, and that you become the people you constantly associate with. If you're worried about what others think and say about you, then you are unlikely to be sufficiently focused on what you need to focus on. Not just in your personal life, but in your professional life too. Because worrying about such thoughts diminishes your ability to focus and diverts your attention elsewhere. When undertaking assessments of parents and children, although needing to develop a positive working relationship, you cannot afford to be too concerned with their feelings towards you. In order to do justice to the child you're working with, your assessment has to be has to incorporate all of the child's needs and their parents' or carers' capacity to meet those needs throughout their childhood. This demands thorough, rigorous assessment. When given evidence, I would argue that the most important thoughts that should occupy your mind are not thoughts about what others think of you. Your thoughts need to be centred on your you, on your internal world, on crowding out any negative thoughts, and filling your head with inner chatter that supports your ability to think clearly and concentrate. If you fail to master your inner thoughts and allow negative chatter to percolate inside your head, then you are as good as assisting those cross-examining you. Your positive thoughts about yourself, worth, are highly crucial armour that you need to defend yourself in the witness box. When under attack, as you often are during cross-examination, being able to show composure, to remain stoic whilst being provoked, and your ability to argue cogently are great strengths to demonstrate. You have to be fully prepared to do what most people neither do at school or in their adult life, to stand out and apart from anyone else. At times you may be the only witness who thinks the way you do, and your evidence may make all the difference between whether a child's care needs are appropriately secured throughout that child's minority or not. Be prepared to address all challenges to your evidence, and be aware that sometimes those challenges will come from the judge. Stick to your guns if this is the case ensuring that back, you back up your arguments with relevant evidence from the court bundle as well as, your, as, as yours and other assessments. Remember these words. What others think of you is not your business. And remember this too. If people tell you your, your goals are unrealistic, you can be pretty sure you're on the right track. You're doing a highly complex and challenging job that lots of people could never do. Be proud of yourself and never give up on your dreams.